Hi, hello and welcome to Youth Updates, a regular drop of info to help keep you in the know when it comes to youth culture. An extra special welcome to you this month because we are starting a new season of Youth Updates. Yes, indeed. Very exciting. Um, So yeah, this is September. It's a time of uh, new things, a new academic year and a new series of Youth Updates. So we are really, really glad that you have joined us. Yes, and uh, as regular, you've got myself and Hannah as your host. So my name is Beth, so this is my voice. And my name is Hannah, this is my voice. And we are kicking off this season with a guest episode, actually. Mm. So today we have got Neil O'Boyle with us. Hello. (laughs) There he is. Uh, Could you just tell us just a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are, just, you know, for the listeners who may not be aware? Sure. Well, I'm Neil and I'm married to Joy and I have kids and I currently have two Cocker Spaniels. One is five and the other is about, we don't quite know, but we think he's about nine weeks and he is creating chaos. And uh, yeah, I work for You For Christ. As what? Oh, uh, well, I, I get the privilege of leading the organisation, so that's that's what I do. Yes, he does indeed. He's been very humble there. But we are excited to have Neil with us today to just share uh, about three different things that he sees going on in youth culture. And we're going to just have a chat about those three things. Um, and so we'd just love to hear from his perspective as someone who has been a parent to four, well, not all now young people, three of them are adults, um, and once a young person, but also from his perspective, from working at Youth for Christ for 30 years, I think it was just Wowza. this week, um, mm. and what he sees going on in youth culture. So I think, yeah, we're really excited. So Neil, do you want to just tell us like, what's one of the things you want to talk to us about? What's the first thing? Yeah, so so I, I think I think the spiritual climate in this country is of real interest, isn't it? So where we are as a nation, what secularism's doing, and where that's kind of playing out, mm. and how that's playing out, and what impact that has on the school system, um, right through to what people are watching on TV, etc. The impact is huge. The message is uh, that, that, that God is not on the agenda. And therefore, how is that playing out when it comes to young people? So, you know, we did our piece of research, as you guys know, and that told us that for 51% of young people, they have a belief, whether that be in God or something else, uh, but those who had an active faith was considerably less. But it also meant that 49% of young people either didn't believe or didn't know what they believe. And so that mm. tells us something about climate. It tells us something about where, where young people are at. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, you know, there was that stat which was just so fascinating for us, which told us that um, only 8% of young people viewed the church positively. So the remaining 92% had all sorts of different views, but only eight could say something really positive about it. And that's to do with how young people view institutions and how they view what's going on in society and how that's caught up with the church. And therefore there's a suspicion and then God's not on the agenda for young people. And so this is a really interesting time, isn't it? And um, yeah, as a parent, it's been interesting to see how that plays out. but in the in the work we do, that's where I'm most fascinated because, you know, we're about seeing young people's lives changed by Jesus. Therefore, we want to put Jesus on the mm. agenda. And how are young people responding when we do? Well, here's the really interesting thing. When we do put God on the agenda for young people, 
they are just as likely to respond to the gospel as any other generation before them. So this is really good news. The other thing that our research told us and that plays out for us is that it's something like one in three young people actually want their friends to actively tell them about their faith. And when they do, uh, just over 50% of them view that positively. So we have every reason to be confident about sharing Jesus. I just feel like somehow we're losing confidence uh, because of what's going on in society. And we really shouldn't be. It seems like there's that value, isn't there, from young people towards hearing about people's experiences, having that relationship, but big organizations, institutions are sort of a big no-no. But I think I think you see that not just with church, but I think even with like corporate brands and things, young people are disillusioned by anything that is big and corporate. They want the authentic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know. I yeah, and I think the a... word authentic is key there, right? Yeah. So I think it's critical because it's not that young people are anti-God, they're anti-institution, they're anti-perhaps even religion because they see that as an institution in some way or other. But actually what they really want to know is, okay, are you for real? And do you actually live out what you proclaim? Mm. And how does that impact your life? Now, they're deeply fascinated in that. And so if we get to live as witnesses for Jesus, man, the impact we can make is huge. Mm. It kind of gets me excited a little bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, and I think it shows the important uh, importance of like actions and living out what you're saying as well. But then also for young people, making sure that they, they say it as well, that they don't keep it a secret and them getting excited about sharing God with their friends because hopefully they should um, kind of take that on positively as well as you said with those stats. Mm, yeah that's right that's right. Yeah, absolutely so obviously like we've talked about that but what's something else as well that you've seen going on? Yeah so I think I think we're all hugely aware that there is a, a mental health crisis challenge in the nation and um you know, the recent stats out there coming out from numerous organizations pretty much saying the same stuff, which is that there's been a 50% increase on mental health challenges among young people mm. over the last three years. 50%, that's roughly one in five young people in every single classroom has a mental health challenge that is of deep concern. And so what's going on and what are we doing to address it and how are we addressing it? And people are working so hard here, aren't they? Um, mm. But it feels like we're, we're, we're just putting a, a plaster over an absolute open wound and, and, and we're not really landing how to address this in a way that really can make a difference. And we're pretty much all out at sea on this. And I think for me, which, which, which is really interesting, as a practitioner, as you guys are, I think that that verse, Luke 2.52, is really important, where it says that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with both God and man. Jesus grew mentally, physically, socially, spiritually. He lived with balance. And I absolutely recognize that mental health has all sorts of components to it that go way beyond how we just live our lives. That isn't necessarily a fix in itself, but actually, I think it goes a long way. And I think if we can really create boundaries for young people and, you know, uh, another stat out there is that uh, the average young person spends nine hours and 38 minutes behind a screen every day. That's huge. They're getting out of bed and they're looking at a screen. They're walking down the stairs with a screen. They're having their breakfast with a screen. They're on the bus with a screen. Um, they come back from school, evening, etc. Screen, screen, screen. Screens are neutral, but... They, they do give off blue light, which is important to recognize, but it's what they're absorbing on those screens. Mm -hmm. And are we really thinking that there isn't a connection between what's going on with screens and mental health? I think we would be crazy to ignore that. 
And so therefore, what the boundaries look like and how do we effectively move into that space? Also, obviously, on, on screens, social media and all that goes on with that and what's, you know, they're absorbing there about what people are saying and how you should look and how you should feel and what they're saying about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge impact on, on, on our mental well-being. But we've got to get a grip here a little bit. And I think the church could start to speak really clearly into, hey, what the boundaries look like mm-hmm. and how do we underpin that with faith? Because we've got to hold to the greatest value of all that Jesus is the one that makes a difference. Yes, for those who have significant mental health challenges, they will need medical help, of course, of course, of course, of course, and support and counseling, etc. But for the, such a growth and such an epidemic within what's going on with mental health, it's got to be more than what we were facing 10, 20, 30 years mm. ago, because uh, this is on the up. I think I've just got loads of reeling thoughts in my head. It's, it's one of those things you see it happen, don't you? And I think... I think sometimes I know just personally being a youth worker, like at my local church, sometimes I just feel like woefully ill-equipped as well sometimes to know how to tackle some of the mental health stuff. But I think breaking it down into little areas like social media and things, I think makes it seem a bit more tangible to do steps that help, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, and I think it's like what Neil said about how, um, I think it's a combination as well. So it is seeking out those like those mental health professionals Mm. to do the stuff that we can't do but it's also us as youth leaders and people who are christians and know god like doing what we can do and that is talk to them about god and Mm -hmm. talk to them about the healer and Mm -hmm. the person who who you know can help them as well um so i think that's really really important too to to not Mm -hmm. just um kind of back away from from our part to play which is you know telling them about jesus yeah absolutely and i totally agree with you and 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 you guys will know from your own experience that Possibly the most powerful tool we have is the ability to just listen to them and spend time mm-hmm. with them. Uh, and, you know, the Bible says, uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And when, if we take that approach with young people, that could be such a powerful healing experience for them. Because the stat out there, I can't remember it, so I'm not going to butcher it. But the stat out there that says how many people feel that they've never been properly listened to is overwhelming. Gosh, Gosh what could we do if we just listened to young people? I think mm. I think that in itself is a bit of a game changer. Yeah, and just being able to be there to listen and genuinely mm. care is actually just something that anyone can do. So yeah. Yeah, so we've covered some really great stuff there in the first couple of topics. And uh, yeah, Neil, do you just want to move us on to the third <laughs> yes. thing that you think you see going on in youth culture right now? Yeah, so well, it, it's really around demographics it's around what's going on with society and that is uh, the level of deprivation and poverty that young people find themselves in today so if there's roughly 8 million young people in britain uh right now there's about 2.9 million young people living in poverty and so that is where they are struggling uh and there's various definitions but the first level is you are struggling to be able to uh get your basic needs And so uh, 2.9, and it's an estimation of another, by the Roundtree Foundation, I think it is, estimates that within the next um, six to nine months, there'll be another 500,000 young people who enter into poverty. And so this is of real concern. And the work that we do, the number of our centers and our youth practitioners who are telling us that young people are coming to them hungry and uh, more and more of our, our staff are going into schools to run breakfast clubs and dropping clubs or cooking classes where they actually then just feed the young people afterwards mm. because they know it's the only time that they're guaranteed of certain food. 
And I think one of the challenges right now uh, for us is recognizing the connection between crime in, de in deprived communities and mm. just the need to eat. Uh, because at the heart of much of the low-level crime that young people are committing is just to get money to be able to buy food. Well, where is the real crime there? That I, I, you know, we as a society yeah. shouldn't be in a situation where our young people don't have enough food, money to be able to buy food, or they don't, just don't have food in the house. This needs to change, and we as a church uh, are doing a great job across this nation to address that need, but. That need is not going away, and we need to continue rethinking and getting really creative on mm. how we just meet basic needs such as feeding people. Yeah, and like those those stats are pretty horrifying when you compare them to the general population and what percentage that is even of the population. And I think often when you ask people what are the issues facing young people, they'll often say things like social media, relationships, oh, they spend too long gaming and stuff, but actually there's some real basic issues that just go back to the, you know, uh, there's, um, what's that pyramid, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it's like mm -hmm. the bottom level is just having food and water and, and shelter. And actually for so many young people, they don't have that. And so yeah. it's sort of, uh, I just think that's absolutely heartbreaking. Like how do you, yeah, how do you begin to resolve such a nationwide problem? Like you've just got to start grassroots, haven't you? And, go from there i think yeah and i think we I, I think we just shouldn't be comfortable with this i think this should bother us um mm. and that we should be advocating and pushing into action and just not accepting this as a norm that we're just going to live with and just say no actually this isn't going to be okay for us and we mm. are going to step into this gap and we are going to do all we can to make sure that young people are being fed and their basic needs are being met and one of our Youth for Christ centers was really pushed into this in a big way in their cooking club. They're getting 120 young people because they were just coming to be fed. And so he advocated oh so hard and wide on this that now when they come, they, they, they're fed immediately. Then they cook and get the food after that. But then they get a box, which they take home, and it's just full of food to feed them and their family for the week. That, to me, is mm -hmm. what we should be doing. Yeah, proactive, helpful, practical rooted in Jesus but yeah and I think as well with those stats like that's quite concerning the the trend and direction of that that even mm. if it was kind of like um like maintaining the amount of people like in poverty was staying the same like that's not okay but the fact that it's even trending in the downward direction of like more and more people are well, going half into a million poverty more. as well that's yeah. not a small number like, that's that's huge. really concerning and I think I think there's a there's a corporate burden for that like in the church but there's also I think we need to feel that individual burden as mm. well of like doing what we can as well um, and that's that's a great story about what that centre mm. was doing that's really awesome I think also is a, another thing I'm shocked this hasn't been on the news more mm. do you know what I mean it feels like I haven't really seen much like it feels like it's been very silent in a lot of things that I've seen anyway yeah, so we've heard some really great stuff from Neil there, and I think there's some there's some things for each of us to to think about and reflect on. Um, so yeah, so thank you so much to Neil for joining us. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. And so it is time to bring back, bring back, bring back for the first time this season. What some might say is the most spectacular part of the podcast. Others might disagree. Hannah, do you know what time it is? It's time for word of the month. Shall we sing a jingle, Hannah? Yes, we shall. We shall sing a jingle. Mm -hmm. Okay, in three, two, one. Word of the month. I was kind of going for like 
Dory vibes from finding. <laughs> I don't know what I was either. doing, but I'm not really entirely sure what I was doing. Yeah, no. But yeah, I, we've got a little phrase this month. Yeah, it's we? a phrase of the month rather than a word of the month, and it is sent into a coma. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, so this is used as a general phrase, and it it pretty much means to shock someone, to be surprising, but in a horrifying way potentially so for example um it gets used sort of verbally but also it's used very much in sort of trends and memes online different things and so for an example it might be someone does a video on 10 things in england that would send americans into a coma for example (laughs) and it would be things like beans on toast putting butter on bread because according to the internet we've yeah americans on the internet have just discovered that loads of people put butter on their bread and sandwiches and apparently Americans don't. Maybe you're maybe you're listening from America and you do or don't put butter on your sandwiches. Please contact us on social media. We'd love know. to know. Um, but yes, it'll be things like that or it'll be, um, you know, a young person might say, oh, I went out and I did this and it sent my dad into a coma or like sometimes it's funny things. So there was a while where on TikTok, there was loads of videos that were like things that would send a Victorian child into a coma and then people would be like Snapchat or like... Oh, uh, like mo- kind of like modern things. Yeah, that things like, that they'd like be shocked on? by. So yeah, so it's kind of a phrase to use as in terms of being shocked by something. So, you know, could be giving Hannah warm chocolate that hasn't been Ooh. in a fridge might send her into a coma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting phrase though because it's kind of I do wonder if it's if it, is it PC <laughs> or is it and is it more you know of like I mean? is it more of a thing that you like say on social media than say in real life I have heard a couple you of have yeah, heard it, yeah, you've yeah. heard it in real life I have heard it in real life nice. as well yeah, as online I think probably it started online and inevitably as moved things happened the... it moved into you say the real discourse. world well yeah because a while ago for example there was a trend on tiktok that was to a sound that said the words bombastic side eye <laughs> and then young people started going around going bombastic side eye and it was from a sound wow. on tiktok nice yeah so Love i think it. sometimes it does work that way mm-hmm. um but anyway we're so glad that you have joined us for our first podcast of season three of youth updates uh we are really excited for this season we've got some other guests lined up with different areas of expertise so make sure that you keep your ears and eyes peeled for that and myself and hannah are thoroughly looking forward to being with you guys once again but for now have a lovely time please do follow us on spotify head to yfc.co.uk forward slash youth updates for all of our previous podcasts and blogs too see you later